Health by Design, the podcast where we explore your brilliant biology, current research, and successful traditions to give you the health of your life. This episode starts a series on metabolism. Listen to the end because I'm going to lay out some research from a study that will blow your mind. These episodes will alternate between exploring what can interfere with the metabolism and what gets the metabolism working at its finest. Merriam-Webster says metabolism is the process by which a living organism uses food to obtain energy, build tissues, and disposes of waste material. We will start with a non-food, considered food. Anti-nutrients are a real thing in our society. One of the anti-nutrients is considered by many to be food, yet has caused much damage to the body. So starting with bad oils, good fats, resetting the metabolism, protein's importance, nutrients for ideal liver function, as that is an important organ in transforming your food into energy and building products and gets rid of waste. And finally, we will address the metabolic regulator, the thyroid, as it controls the rate at which food is metabolized, yet as many modern factors that can interfere with it properly controlling metabolism. Whew, a lot of work to keep everything working right. Let's see what our design requires. If there was something we called food that used up antioxidants we need to get rid of waste material and slowed our metabolic process, you'd want to know what that was so you could avoid it, right? If research showed many of today's common diseases were from this quote-unquote food, you would want to know, wouldn't you? Our study on metabolism starts by exploring bad oils and misinformation to lay the foundation for the next episode on good fats. Bad oils, good fats. This is not what most of us grew up understanding, so let me share a story to illustrate. Nina Teicholz was a reporter. USDA guidelines since the 1980s said eat a low-fat diet, so she did. Most Americans did. In the 1990s, the popular Mediterranean diet convinced her she needed to add olive oil and fish to her low-fat diet and cut back even more on red meat. In the 2000s, she started writing a restaurant review column. A dream job for us foodies, right? She ate what the chefs served her. Things like creams and sauces, cream soup, red meats, foie gras, and all the foods she had avoided her entire life. What a job! Nina said, eating these rich, earthy dishes was a revelation. They were complex and remarkably satisfying. I ate with abandon. And yet, bizarrely, I found myself losing weight. She had carried an extra 10 pounds for years that just went away. Her doctor said her cholesterol numbers were fine. I love Nina's story. Eat rich foods and lose weight. Sounds like a dream. To be honest, her story is similar to mine, but that's for another day. In the next episode, we'll look into why losing weight with fat is possible. Could it work for you as it did for Nina and I? But first, a little misinformation correction. The government recommends less fat. Nina listened. How many of us listened? I'm not out to blame the government, but the truth is we need to be careful of misinformation. I'm starting to think bad information is evil. It's like the bad guy we are fighting. It turns out that a low-fat diet prevents the absorption of fat-soluble activators, to use Dr. Price's terminology. What does that mean? If you don't get enough of the right kind of fat, 
that we will talk about in the next episode, you cannot absorb fat-soluble vitamins. Vitamins A, D, E, and K are fat-soluble vitamins. What does your body use them for? Why does it matter? Healthy skin, healthy reproductive systems, keeping our arteries flexible, preventing cancer, preventing osteoporosis, preventing autoimmune issues like arthritis. Think about what is super common in our world right now. All these things. Would you agree that the number one and two killers, according to the CDC, are cancers and cardiovascular disease? So these fat-soluble nutrients are not only critical to health, they're low in our diets or less absorbed than they should be when we eat low fat. One problem with a low-fat diet is not being able to absorb fat-soluble nutrients. Let's consider another big problem with a low-fat diet. Fat is what helps you keep satisfied. It signals a chemical in your body that says, I'm full, so that you don't eat more than you need, which has been shown to cause another big killer in rat studies. Diabetes has five big contributing factors, one of which is overeating. So if you don't eat fat, you're more likely to overeat and more likely to get diabetes. The third reason cutting back on healthy fats may not be a good idea is because there are only three macronutrients or ways to get calories, right? Fats, carbs, and proteins. So if those are our choices, and if you eat less fat, you only have carbs and proteins left to get your calories from. And think of that. Fat has more than double the calories of carbs and protein, right? Fat has nine calories per gram of fat. Carbs and proteins have four calories for every... Uh, you know what I'm trying to say. If you cut back on fats, you'd naturally eat more carbohydrates and proteins, just like most Americans. For 50 years, we were just following orders, and as a group, we ended up eating 29% more carbohydrates from grains than the previous generation. So what happens when we consume more carbohydrates? I'll detail this in a metabolism podcast on carbs. But briefly, the research says if we eat more carbs, we gain weight, get diabetes, or have blood sugar issues and develop cardiovascular disease from the heightened amount of insulin in our bloodstream. The more carbs we eat, the more problems with our health. Yet the biggest change in our diet wasn't more carbs, as big as that was. According to Nina Teichholz in her research-filled book, The Big Fat Surprise, during the late 1900s, the biggest change in the American diet was increasing vegetable oils from 0% to 8% of our diets. Let's consider that for a moment. What kind of fats did your great-great-grandmother use in her kitchen? The truth is, we may not know, but we can assume she used mostly butter, lard, or olive oil as those were the available oils or fats at the time. In the 1990s, we stopped, as a nation, using lard and olive oil. Commercials on TV told us the best oils were the newfangled manufactured oils, like vegetable oil and soy oil and margarine. These oils were high in inflammatory omega-6s instead of omega-3s, but we increased them thinking they were better for us. More misinformation from TV ads. Are you old enough to remember? Everything's better with the... Do you remember that? What were they saying everything was better with? An oil structured to be more like plastic than food? Now, 
We know now hydrogenated oils are bad, but they called it margarine. We were told it was better. Can you think of other commercials from back then? Okay, so back to oils. Since the biggest change in our diet was 0 to 8% oils, have you ever seen how bottled oils are made? Every part of a plant has oil, but some, like for example rapeseed, are extra high in oil in the seed. If you wanted to press oil out of a seed and make money on it, a plant with the highest percentage of oil would make the most sense. Rapeseeds are 42% oil. So I want to encourage you to search for a video online on how oils are manufactured. Conventional ones use chemicals like sodium hydroxide, hexane, or bleach to make them clean. Can you imagine soaking your family's dinner in lye or sodium hydroxide for 50 minutes before finishing their meal? That's basically what conventional oils do. Sodium hydroxide is caustic soda. The CDC says they are corrosive, used to electroplate metals, make soap, and may cause chemical burns on the human body. Yet the FDA still allows manufacturers to call these oils food. And I'll send a link in the show notes. They use chemicals to get the most oil possible out of the seeds. Doesn't sound like food we were designed for to me. Now consider a sunflower seed as it was designed. It has the protective seed coat that we remove at baseball games, right? Inside is the tender seed coat that, if raw, has naturally occurring vitamin E, a little D, oils. When we bite into it and mash it with our teeth, it releases the omega-3s, the 6s, the oils and the nutrients at a relatively low temperature and keeps the nutrients in a form our body can use. Sunflower seeds are made, designed to be a healthy food, but any seed once broken open, loses its protective nutrients. Imagine a machine pressing those sunflower seeds into mash. I hear the mash gets stinky, so they heat the oil to 40 degrees centigrade or 104 degrees Fahrenheit to get rid of the stinky smell. Any seed once broken open loses its protective nutrients, and exposure to oxygen and exposure to time makes that worse. It oxidizes the oils that are in that seed. So this is a chemical product that if you watch a video on it will show it is not made of food. It looks like what you might lubricate your car with. But that is not all that's going on with oils. 87% of U.S. crops and 90% of the Canadian crop of rapeseed or canola oil is genetically modified. Supposedly, that's how it got its name, Canada oil, canola oil. They say they make it GMO for a good reason. Wild rapeseed oil contains erucic acid, which is bad for humans in high quantities, so they genetically modified it to have less. The problem, besides trying to mess with nature and crossing species, is that most GMO crops are heavily sprayed with pesticides, usually glyphosate or Roundup. But you don't use conventional oils, you say. You only use organic. Let's consider those for a moment. There are three reasons why I won't even touch organic polyunsaturated oils. One is the antioxidant loss, which goes hand in hand with oxidation that's created through processing. And the third is they can increase inflammation. This is where the type of oil becomes the most important factor. And all three of those factors play into this. 
it may not be what you think. Many think sunflower oil or grapeseed oil is best. After all, sunflower seeds are good, right? Grapeseed oil has antioxidants, right? But not as many as the winemaking grapes they are discarded from. Every seed begins to lose nutrients as soon as it's broken open. The reaction with light and oxygen dissipates the antioxidants meant for you and protecting the precious and very fragile nutrients in the seed. Think about this for a minute. The best way is whole or freshly ground to keep the nutrition intended. Grapeseed oil manufacturers will say that grapeseed oil is better because it has a high smoke point, which makes oxidation happen at a higher temperature. High heat or heat over a long time will still cause trans fats and dangerous oxidation. Another issue is that both sunflower seed oil and grapeseed oil are two of the highest oils in omega-6s. We do need a few omega-6s in our diet, but some estimate we need at least twice the amount of omega-3s or the omega-6s can cause more inflammation, high cholesterol, hormonal imbalance, thyroid disorders, obesity, and weight gain. So back to oxidation. How do oxidized oils damage the body? Oxidized oils can create free radicals that double an allergic response. If you're multitasking right now, you'll want to tune back in to hear this. Columbia University did research with rats fed these types of mildly oxidized oils, and they suffered liver damage and heart lesions. I wouldn't even eat mildly oxidized oils, you say. Think about this. If an oil gets oxidized the longer it is heated, what happens in fry containers that are only changed out once per week, as the best fast food restaurants do? If you're eating fries, chips, or any other fried food at a restaurant or food fast food place, you are eating oxidized oils that lead to liver damage and heart lesions. Liquid oils are the ones fries are typically made in nowadays. Canola oil and soy oil have been pushed in the advertising we have seen and in the processed foods available to us for years. Have you looked at the ingredients in salad dressings lately? Even if it says olive oil on the front, chances are it has one of these polyunsaturated oils on the back, on the ingredient list. You have to read the ingredient labels. And if you're going to a regular grocery store, you're not going to find anything without that. Dr. Kate Shanahan, who wrote the book Deep Nutrition, in it says she asked the patients in a hospital for cardiac issues what was the last meal they ate before being admitted to the hospital. And everyone said fried food. I put that in a YouTube video and had a person comment that he too had had that experience. Obviously, people can eat fried foods for many years and survive. But why continue when it's not that hard to satisfy a, a craving for fried foods at home and butter? Or after a while, avoiding them altogether is super easy. It's not even so tempting. So what if oxidized oils cause liver damage? What are the oils I need? Most would say olive oil, nowadays avocado oil, and they would be right as far as oils go. Why? Olive and avocado oil are considered monounsaturates. A monounsaturated oil is believed to be more stable. Monounsaturated oils have one point where oxygen can damage them. In reality, olive oil and avocado oil are not from the seed, but rather from the fruit. Grape seed oil, sunflower seed oil, canola oil, soy oil, and most seed oils have polyunsaturated oil. Poly means many. 
This oil has many places that oxygen can damage it. It's at every double carbon bond point that oxygen can get in and damage the oil through oxidation. Seed oils such as canola or rapeseed, grapeseed, contain different mixes of all types. Part of it is monounsaturated, but these are more polyunsaturated than something like olive or avocado. And that means it has more potential to be destroyed by oxygen. What happens when we include more vegetable oil and soy oil in our diet? This increase in vegetable oil and soy oils, increased inflammation, gallstones, cancer, and liver damage, according to research. Ouch! These toxic oils are hard to avoid in our world. Try finding a salad dressing without bad oils in a regular grocery store almost impossible. So what happens when we have liver damage? When low fat and low cholesterol was first officially recommended by the American Heart Association in 1961, diabetes was less than 1% of the population and one-seventh of the adults in America were obese. Forty years later, 11% had diabetes and one out of every three are obese. Have you heard the latest stats? It's proposed that one out of every three persons has prediabetes. One out of three of us, whether we know it or not. Something needs to change. I don't think everyone was ignoring the recommendations. Most of us really listen to what we're told to do. And we do the best we can with the information given. Ever seen the back of an older person's hand get dark spots? They're sometimes called age spots or liver spots and they seem to be a sign that the liver is getting clogged. A lady in her mid-30s came up to me in the nutritional center and showed me the back of her hands. She was getting quite a few age spots, and she asked me why. I asked her what type of cooking oil she was using. She gave it some thought and said about five years ago she started using grapeseed oil. She thought that was better, but with a little thought, she realized that correlated with when she started getting the spots. The liver does so much for our body. I really want to take a few episodes soon to give you simple ways to take care of it. But the most important factor in an oil is that it is not oxidized so that it does not start damage in your body. Flaxseed oil and possibly hemp oil are also polyunsaturated oils, but when destroyed, they become more immediately toxic. So they're processed with far greater care and these oils should never be used to cook with. Think paint thinner or linseed oil when it, you think of flaxseed oil that has been poorly processed. As a matter of fact, if you buy a high quality one in the store and it bites the back of your throat, throw it out. It's no good. Remember the study I mentioned with the rats that got liver damage and heart lesions from the oils? This will blow your mind. The rats fed tallow, lard, dairy fats, and chicken fats do not get liver damage. Is that shocking to you? What is funny is that it really didn't shock me because I've always loved butter. I figured it had to be good for you. Haha, <laughs> I'm only half kidding. To quote Nina Teicholz from the book, she says, quote, little that we believe about fat appears to be accurate, unquote. When I started to consume more healthy fats, that's when it hit me. Oh my, am I going to get a heart attack from all this saturated fat? I asked myself. Ugh. So it drove me to do more research. Yes, we are emotional beings. We all want to eat something delicious, but I really wanted to know what oils or fats were good for me. 
I didn't want to pretend butter was good just because I loved it. So be sure to listen next week as we delve into another important help for metabolism, healthy fats, how they can help us absorb fat-soluble vitamins and lose weight. So in conclusion, research shows that manufactured oils have little to no value as food. They have lost their nutrients, been bathed in chemicals to pull out all the oil, and they've had their beneficial properties in the oil oxidized. And the research shows they damage the liver and may be a big reason for some of the biggest killers in our nation every year. We should be shouting this from the rooftops. We weren't designed to eat foods created from non-foods in a factory. Just like the process of a car in a wet or oxygen-rich environment allows rust to form and eat away at the unpainted metal, the oil in the seeds becomes oxidized from the chemical reaction, and the oil is no longer the life-giving oil from the seed, but rather a toxic oil that can create a destructive, free radical cascade in the one who consumes it, if they don't have enough antioxidants to protect them. Keep yourself and your family healthy with these weekly episodes from Health by Design. Here's to the health of your life.